0: Jesus wins. And on behalf of Auburn Community Church, I wanna say a huge thank you to all of the first responders and the healthcare workers and the doctors and the nurses who are on the front lines caring for people during this pandemic. You are so loved by ACC and you are so appreciated. Some of you have literally been risking your lives to help people and it does not go unnoticed. We are praying for you and we hope that Ashley's story is such an encouragement that God is moving in the midst of such a dark season and circumstance. Jesus is getting glory through this and we rejoice that we have people in our church like Ashley who are shining the light in the darkness. Welcome to church. It's weird for me to say this, but this is starting to feel really normal to do church like this. If you would have shown me this moment just a few months ago, I would have been like, that is the weirdest thing ever. Why are we in front of cameras and broadcasting this to people in living rooms? But this is church. And so could you look at somebody next to you right now and just say, welcome to church. I'm so glad to be next to you in church. We believe God is going to use these moments in a powerful way. And we've seen how in this season, our church family has been able to stand up and rise above a circumstance to make sure Jesus gets all the glory. We're gonna go into our bringing time. This is a time that we set aside every week to respond to God with generosity. And we have watched how our church family has said loud and clear that in the midst of a global pandemic, we are going to be the church by giving generously. And so the ways to give are on the screen right now now. You can give on Venmo at Auburn Community Church. You can give online. Uh, You can send checks over to 323 Airport Road. And let's continue to be the church God has called us to be during this time. What's crazy about this moment is that today, Sunday, May 3rd, we were supposed to be celebrating our graduating seniors. This was going to be graduation weekend for so many people in the life of our church. And I know that this season has disoriented everybody in different ways, but it kills me that such an incredible senior class in the life of our church didn't get to say goodbye and that we didn't get to celebrate you because this senior class got to encounter more venues for doing church than I ever thought possible. I was Thinking back just to four years ago when many of you were freshmen and thinking at what God has brought us through and how amazing it is to see the culture that you have built at ACC over time. Uh, we want to say a huge thank you to you. We want to celebrate you. We want to let you know that, that you are an incredible part of this church. And I know we got high schoolers who are graduating. We're going to celebrate y'all in a couple weeks. And many of you who are graduating grad school and moving on, we want to let you know that this transition is strange and unique, but at the same time, you are sent out all over the world to go and be The church. And we also just want to do everything we can to have a moment to celebrate you. Everything in me wants to just have a party right here at 323 Airport Road. But since we can't do that during these days, we're gonna have to settle for a Zoom call tomorrow, Monday, May the 4th. Yes, on Star Wars Day, we are going to celebrate our seniors. And we're gonna do a Zoom call at 5 p.m. I'll be there. Several others on our staff team will be there. We just want to thank you guys and celebrate the stories of God faithfulness that have happened over the course of the last 4 years. So don't miss that. Uh, all the info to receive is on the link below. Check that out and join up with us on Zoom tomorrow as we celebrate our seniors. I'm excited to open the word of God today. I feel like God's got a message he's put on my heart. Uh, but I just wanted to have a moment to say to everyone right where you are. And no matter what you're going through today, Jesus is in total control. And I don't know what your favorite worship song is. I was thinking about this this week. Somebody asked me, what is your favorite number one worship song of all time? I wanted to ask you, before we open the Word of God together, would you just look at the people who are around you in the room that you're in and tell them right now, what is your number one favorite worship song of all time? Some of you are leaning toward reckless love. Some of you are like, how do I choose between Take Courage and all of these other amazing songs? What is your number one favorite worship song of all all time and for me I was thinking back over the course of so many different seasons in my life this week and there's this one song that has aligned my heart with the heart of God over and over and over again and it is the song called Cornerstone. The truth that Christ alone, our cornerstone, is what holds us through any and every storm has gotten me through more seasons of life than I can probably count in this moment. So I thought, you know what, Uh, before we go into the sermon and before we feel like we just got to go from worship to preaching back to worship, we got the incredible John Claybrook over here laying it down on keys. And I told him that when he plays behind me and I'm preaching, I cannot help but get emotional. I feel my tear ducts fill up the moment he starts playing something behind me. And we've been talking about the fatherhood of God the last couple of weeks. And so I asked him, you know what? Let's just start this sermon with you joining me on stage. And if you need a lift this morning in your home, wherever you are watching this from, John, would you just sing Cornerstone over our church family right now? Now is the moment we need to be lifted. Up an anthem like this, and just sit back and take a breath in your living room right now. Come on, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak, made strong in the Savior's love. I pray that that song would reverberate through our souls right now that through whatever storm through whatever chaos through whatever difficulty if we're connected to you you are our strength so God I pray that you overwhelm people with the authority that comes from standing their lives on the name of Jesus God, we're not strong. We're just standing on someone who is strong enough to hold us. So Christ alone, would you get all the glory through our time together today? Would you meet people in the midst of whatever trial and storm they find themselves in? And would you help us to walk away from these moments confident that you hold us and you hear us? See us through the storm, God. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, my brother, for blessing us in these moments. I don't know about you, but I needed that. We've been walking through the New Testament letter of Colossians together as a church. And it's been incredible the last couple of weeks to consider the fatherhood of God and how our identity as children of God is necessary for every step of the Christian journey. So there is no part of being a Christian that is disconnected from knowing that you are already a child of God. You don't act obedient enough. You don't become holy enough. You don't grow into following the rules of the Bible. You are called son. You are called daughter because of the blood of Jesus. And your life becomes a transformed overflow of the fact that you are already a child of God. Incredible. And that's a reality that doesn't just sink in because of one sermon or one time with the Lord. That's a reality that over time has to go deeper and deeper into our souls. And as that happens, our lives get set on the solid rock foundation who is Jesus. So I hope and pray that knowing who you are in Christ is able to hold you through difficult seasons like the one we're walking through right now. And I hope and pray that today is only a step further in that journey. We're coming to the end of Colossians, and we've spent a lot of time on this letter letting the words of the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago speak to us in this season right now. But as we come to the end, I still feel like God has saved the most powerful moments we're going to have together for the present moment right here and right now. So, in your living room, if you have your Bible, hold it up, church. Hold it up. Every week it gets older and older to do this, but we're gonna keep doing it. Bible drill commence. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. We finally hit the last chapter. And we are going to jump in in verse 2. Now, if you've been tracking with us, you're going to notice that I skipped a little section called Instructions for Christian Households. We're not skipping that. We're coming back to that next weekend on Mother's Day because we feel like Mother's Day is a fitting time to have a conversation about how households need to be acting and particularly respecting one another during these times. And so on Mother's Day, we're going to celebrate the incredible mothers of our church church online, but we're going to be talking about how to live in the peace of Christ, even in your home, which I think is incredibly relevant for sheltering in place and the extended amount of time that many of our families have been forced to spend together, not forced, blessed to spend together. But we're actually going to read verses two through six today. And honestly, if I had to pick a section of scripture that summarizes what God has shown me over the course of the last couple of months. It's chapter four, verses two through six. Let's read it together. If you're there, say I'm there. I hear you. Here we go. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I'm going to read that one more time because that is so much goodness in five verses. Listen to this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The title of my sermon today is going to be called Make the Most of Every Opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Could you look at somebody next to you right now and say, let's make the most of this. Let's just try to make the most of this. It's not what anybody wanted to be going through, but let's just make the most of the opportunity in front of us. I think this sermon is fitting today because I think the vast majority of us are starting to sense what life is going to be like on the other side of what we're going through right now. And That's not to say that everything is about to end and we're about to just go back to life like it was before. I don't think life is ever really going to go fully back to normal. And I know there's a huge risk of future outbreaks and all kinds of questions about what does life look like in the reopening of a lot of businesses and places. I'm not saying we're coming to an end. I am saying I think a lot of our minds and eyes have started to become focused on the fact that, okay, this is going to end at some point. And life will be going on. And I wanted to take a moment before we got to that place to actually evaluate what has God done in your life during this season? And have you made the most of this opportunity that looks like an obstacle? A couple months ago, when this was all going down, there was a man in the life of our church who sent me a text message that became my banner for this season. And it surprised me because he was giving me advice and just encouraging me on knowing, hey, church is going to be online for a while, and that's not easy, that's incredibly difficult. But he said this line that was like a diamond jumping off of my phone. He said, Miles, remember this a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. A crisis is a terrible thing to waste. That's good. And what he meant wasn't that it's a good thing that we're going through a crisis right now. Nobody prefers to go through a global pandemic. Nobody prefers to lose their job. Nobody prefers to lose their business. Nobody prefers to lose their health. He wasn't saying a crisis is really a great opportunity that you need to jump on. He was just saying that when a crisis occurs, there are rare moments and rare opportunities that you get to step into, especially as the people of God, and you do not need to miss this moment. And my hope and my prayer is that we as Auburn Community Church have not missed or wasted the opportunity that we've been given over the course of the last couple of months and the opportunity that we're going to continue to be given over the course of the next decade. I said at the beginning of this year in our series 2020, Grace and Truth, that this decade is going to be a defining moment in the big C church and in the life of our local body of believers. And let me tell you this, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste because a crisis is an opportunity for the gospel message of Jesus to take root in your heart like never before. And it's also an opportunity to see the message of Jesus go out through your life unlike any other time period you are given. A crisis can be a gift. And so I wanted us to have a moment today to look very closely at these verses that we've been able to read together. And I wanted us to have a moment to go, have we made the most of this moment that we've been given. I think the worst thing we could do is get to the end and look to the end of something like this and not really know what God was doing in all of it. In fact, I think the greatest tragedy that could happen through COVID-19 is not even necessarily all the damage and destruction and loss of life and loss of the economies and things that have happened over time. I think the worst thing that could happen through COVID-19 is that the human race would go right back to life as it was before and not really know what the God of the universe was speaking to a broken humanity that's so in need of a savior. We can't go back to the way things were. And the worst thing we could do is get to the other side of this and just take a breath and go, glad that's over. Let's move on. I think the moment we need to have together is to go, what opportunities have we been given to experience more of who God is? And have we taken full advantage of the message of Jesus taking root in our hearts and going out through our lives? And the Apostle Paul is the ultimate example. So go back to verse 2 and all this. Look at what Paul says. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. I know I've been saying this the whole series, but I need to remind you once again, Paul's writing this letter from prison. And he is getting to his concluding remarks to a church that he's never visited, to a church that he did not start. He's given them a lot of identity and a lot of revealing of who Jesus really is, that the supremacy of Jesus is the reason for all things. He's given them instructions for how to live their lives. And now he's getting to the end and he's going, if i got one more thing to say to you, it's this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. Now, if you just stop right there, and so many times I think we read the Bible and we assume, like, okay, this is what's supposed to be there, and we don't really step into the moment. Paul says, pray for us too. If you just stop right there and think about the moment he's in, go ahead and assume what he's going to say next. He's in prison, unfairly, originally put in prison because a bunch of Jews spread rumors about him that were not true, but now he's held in a Roman prison, not knowing whether or not he's going to keep his life, and he says, hey pray for us if you assume what's coming next your mind goes he's about to ask for them to pray that he would be released he should pray that his suffering stops he should pray that he could go back to life as it was before but that's not what paul prays he says pray for us too that god may open a door for our message and this is just like paul if you read about the Apostle Paul's life, what you are going to read is a repetitive pattern of unfortunate things happen, happening to him and Paul taking full advantage of the opportunities that very few people have seen. So like he gets thrown in prison over and over again in the book of Acts, but he keeps getting put on trial where he has to make these speeches in front of all these people who wouldn't really be listening to him unless he were imprisoned unfairly. And he gets an opportunity to go, okay, this is why I'm in prison. I am in prison because I had this vision of Jesus, and this is what God has done in and through my life. And he turns his speeches of defense in front of a group of people who are judging him into gospel presentations where he invites world leaders to accept Jesus for the very first time. Where most of us would go, this is so unfair. It shouldn't be happening like this. God, would you just deliver me from this? Paul has this pattern in his life of noticing very quickly, wait, wait, wait. This looks like something I don't want. This looks like it's really unfortunate. This looks like it's really unfair. Oh, wait, it's an opportunity. And I need to make the most of this opportunity to do what? To get the message of Jesus out. What's the message of Jesus? The mystery of Christ. We've already talked about that in this series. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The only way you can get your life to a point where you can pray prayers like that and actually mean it is to see through the eyes that Paul saw the world. And I know so many times you read a prayer like that and you're like, that's the apostle Paul who saw life like that. There is no way I'm going to be able to do that. Didn't he write most of the New Testament? Wasn't he the most incredible instrument for the glory of God that's in the New Testament church? Yes, he was, but you need to understand where Paul started was being a Jewish Pharisee who was persecuting Christians. The reason why God used Paul as much as he did was to make an example for the whole world to know that no one is disqualified. From being used in the kingdom of God. Absolutely no one is on the sidelines. Nobody has to be so far away from seeing the world like this and seeing their lives in the context of this opportunity. So don't write this off as just, well, Paul was kind of crazy because he was the leader of the New Testament church. You can actually view your life like this and you can actually start to reinterpret the circumstances that come into your life and look like, yeah, I don't want that, and yeah, this is unfair, and yeah, this is unfortunate, and I would just rather not go through this, and you can start to reorient your life around, wait a second, what is the opportunity I've been given, and what is God doing on the inside of me, and more than that, what is God doing through me for a world that is desperate and in need of a Savior? How does Paul think like that? I think it starts in verse 2. He's watchful and thankful always. The word watchful is the word for awareness, and it's actually, along with thankfulness, the most common command God gives the church at Colossae. You need to be aware, and you need to be thankful. You don't ever need to move your heart from this posture that's aware of the fact that God's doing more than you think he's doing, and you also don't need to move your heart from the posture of being thankful in whatever you are going through. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus, that we would overflow with thankfulness. But that thankfulness has to be combined with an awareness. God's doing more than I think he is doing. And Paul's awareness comes from the fact that he knows he's in a real battle with real people in an eternal story. You need to write that down. Awareness looks like knowing you're in a real battle with real people who are in an eternal story. I think so many times we're thrown off by storms that come up in our lives and moments that we would rather trade away because we forget the fact that we're living in a broken, fallen world with real people who are eternal souls living in an eternal story. The incredible C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Wow. Wow it's those who are most aware of the fact that they're not living for this present world and this present age. It's those who stay the most aware of that fact that are able to make the most impact for the next. And I just want to remind us in this moment, in the midst of whatever you are going through right now, God is using it and he is using it in an eternal story that is so much bigger than you and so much bigger than me. I've been asked several times recently, particularly this past week, why does it feel like there is so much darkness closing in all around us? And I don't just mean internationally with government issues, with rumors of wars and a global pandemic. I mean even local things within the life of our church. Why does it seem like darkness is just closing in? And my answer would be so simple. We are in a real battle with real people with eternal implications attached to it. So the reason why it feels like the darkness is closing in, can I just say this? It's because the darkness always notices where it is losing ground. You know the darkness notices when the kingdom of light is advancing against it? And if you think for one second that the darkness is not noticing the supernatural work that's happening through the life of this local body of believers called Auburn Community Church. You just don't get it. We are advancing against hell. And the, the attack that I think you and I feel and the storms that we go through are not evidence that God is absent. They're the very evidence that chains are falling off of people and stomping on hell because Jesus wins. And because we are the light in that darkness. And so we don't need to be so surprised when we go through these trials and we go through these storms and we go, I just want this to be over. we got to reorient our minds to go, okay, i got to make the most of this opportunity. i got to notice that God is using my life to reach real people, and it's bigger than me. You know, when you read the narrative of the New Testament church, two themes are always present. Massive conversion to the gospel and massive persecution. At the same time, lots of people coming to know Jesus, lots of people being transformed from dead to life, and lots of people trying to stop what God is doing. But here's what's great about the kingdom of God. Every effort and advancement of the enemy against the kingdom of light gets used for good in the lives of those who have surrendered to Jesus. That means that no weapon ever formed against you can truly prosper. Oh, it can prosper, but only against the very one who shot it at you in the first place. Everything coming at you can be turned for good and for God's glory in your life when you look at your life the way Paul looked at his life. Pray for us that God would open a door for our message. He wasn't surprised by the difficulty. He wasn't overwhelmed by the imprisonment. He was in the prison and noticing, oh my gosh, this is, this is rare. We have an opportunity right now to get the hope and the love of Jesus out like never before. And I was reading in 1 Peter chapter four this week, and I just felt like it spoke to exactly what Paul is saying. Peter says this, he says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Peter says, you shouldn't be surprised that there's so much difficulty and darkness seeming like it's closing in all around you. You should actually be surprised when that's not happening. Because when it's not happening and you're following Jesus, it's usually just a short break before the next one is on the way. And I don't say that today to depress you. I say that to wake us up. We've got to be soberly reminded as we end one season and head into another season, hey, we're in a real battle with eternal implications. And the worst thing that could happen is for this season to end and us just to seek back to go into comfort and go into all that our lives stood for before this moment right now. I love that he talks about participating in the sufferings of Christ. Paul talks about the fellowship of sharing in the sufferings of Jesus. Did you know Jesus will feel closer to you in seasons of suffering than in any other seasons of your life? You will have a closeness and intimacy, a friendship with Jesus that exists in seasons where you want to give up that you just can't have on a sunny day at the beach. And trust me, I want a sunny day at the beach. In fact, right about now, that's pretty much all I can think about, which ha- with how good the weather has been lately. And hopefully that'll happen soon. I hope that happens for you. I hope everything in your life prospers and bounces back in an incredible way, circumstantially for you. I'm not trying to speak ill will over anybody today. I'm just trying to remind us that the things that matter most in our lives, what are they? Knowing Jesus personally and being used by Jesus for the mission that you exist. Those things happen to an amplified level when things go wrong and when storms close in and when things get difficult and what if the prayer of our heart went from God please deliver us from this to God we're in this open a door create an opportunity for your message to go out to a world that's so desperately in need that's my prayer right now And that's not comfortable for me to say, but I've been evaluating over the course of the last week, have I really allowed God to do the work he's trying to do in my heart and life during this difficult season? And so instead of giving you points for what to do with these verses, I got three questions that these verses have kind of brought to light for me personally. And here's what I want to do. Instead of putting these up as sermon points that you write down and put in a notebook and maybe you look back a few months from now, trust me, I love that you do that. I actually want these points to be three questions that you use to get alone with Jesus for yourself this week and write down the answer. So when I ask you the question right now, I don't want you to try to write down the answer. I want you to pick out a time this week where you're going to get alone with God for yourself and ask these questions so that you can evaluate and make sure you are making the most of every opportunity, including this one. Question number one, are you ready for this? So we're we're tracking. You're going to write it down, and then you're going to go be alone with God later and let him speak to you. Number one is this simple question. What is God doing in me? what is God doing in me? I think in a awareness of God's intention needs to increase right now. Now we'll never fully know all the things that God is working on at once. He can do a million things at one time. But it would be a tragedy if we got to the other side of going through this global pandemic and you had no answer to that question. What is God working on in you? For a lot of us, God is breaking us away from things that we used to build our lives on. God has removed some things that we didn't really realize were an idol, but they actually were. And he's taken them away so that he can actually form you into the son, into the daughter you were called to be. Pressure has a way of breaking stuff. And God can use pressure in our lives to remove the things that needed to be removed all along, but just to be real, they couldn't be removed in seasons where you were doing all right because you wouldn't have cared that much. This is just real talk. If everything's going well, it's really difficult for me to actually pay attention to the true things God wants to do in my heart and specifically to the idols that I'm secretly holding onto that he wants to lift to the surface and go, you can't build your life on that anymore or ever again. You can't build your life on money again. You can't build your life on health again. You can't build your life on the approval of man again. You can't go back to the way it was before. And God's going, I'm trying to use this pressure that you're under, not to destroy you and not to overwhelm you, but so you can know what I've put on the inside of you. That's what happened to Peter the night before Jesus died. You know what Jesus said to Peter? This is is so strange. He said, Peter, the devil has asked to sift you as wheat. How would you like Jesus to tell you that? That's such an awkward moment. The devil came to me and said, I want to shake Peter down. And Jesus is telling Peter, I'm going to let him to a certain degree. But when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. When it's over, you'll be stronger because of this. Jesus allowed Peter To weep bitterly. He allowed Peter to fail in a way that was ultimately going to make him stronger because that failure wasn't final. Failure is never final when the Father is in the room. That's a line from a new Corey Asbury song called The Father's House, and I think you need to get it because I've been listening to it because I've been thinking about the fatherhood of God, and it's, it's amazing. But the line says, failure is never final when the father's in the room. When your heavenly father's in the room, it is never final that what you did is who you are. It is never final that what happened back there is going to define you right here and right now. No, actually, the thing that the enemy sought out to destroy you with can become God's greatest weapon against the enemy for his glory and for your good. You don't believe me? Think David and Goliath. What weapon did David use to kill Goliath? A lot of people would say a slingshot and some stones. But when you read the real story, it's a little more gruesome than that. The slingshot and the stones just stunned Goliath, knocked him down. David picked up Goliath's own sword and killed him with his own weapon. What if God wants to use the weapons formed against you during this season for you to pick up and proclaim victory? There's a season later in David's life where he wants to give up and he finds himself all alone in the house of a priest and he's trying to be manipulative and he's trying to figure things out. This is a crazy story. And David goes, do you have any weapons here? And the priest says, all we have here is the sword of Goliath. And David says, there is none like it. I'll take it. In a season in the future when he wanted to give up, God said, hey, I want you to remember what I did in you back there and know that I'm not gonna quit on you right now. Oh my gosh, what if what God was doing in you and in me right now was really ultimately just preparation for something greater he wanted to carry us into in the next season? I believe for us as a church right now, if we ask that question, what is God doing in us? I would answer it, strengthening us for a work that's far beyond anything we even thought to pray for. That would be my answer. He's strengthening us. Guys, our church is thriving, and we can't meet together. If we can walk through this season and watch not just our church family grow, but our church family exponentially grow, if we can go through storms and difficulties that we didn't even know we could survive a few months ago, what in the world is God preparing us for in the future? I'll answer it for you, and I don't want it to depress you. More difficulty, more trouble, more storms. But the good news about it is when we get there, we'll have what he did here and we'll have the strength to stand up and walk through what he wants us to walk through there. What's God doing in you right now? It's not to destroy you. It's to prepare you. It's to propel you. It's to push you into the more that you were called to as a child of God. Don't you back down right now because you want to give up. And don't you think for one second that any of this pain is meaningless. God's using this. What's God doing in you right now? Do not let this season end without getting alone with God to go. What are you trying to unearth in me? And what are you speaking in this moment right now? That's only question one. What is God doing in me? Some of you are watching for the very first time. You're like, he's crazy. I am. Number two, it is, who is God reaching through me? Number one, what is God doing in me? Number two, who is God reaching through me? Pay very close attention to Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter four. He prays Would you open a door for our message, God? So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I want to make the most of this opportunity so that the name of Jesus can be known. When God puts you through a storm and something difficult comes around you, he never disconnects that from his purpose in the world. And his purpose is people. So this is bigger than just Jesus wanted to do some work on my heart and chisel out some things and remove some old habits and work on some things that I was unaware of. This is bigger than you. It's about people. Who is God trying to reach through your life? And better question, how is God calling you to reach people? This is a verse that I've left alone until now, but it's been reading me all week. Look at Colossians chapter four, verse six. It says, let your... Conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So, when you're aware of the opportunity God's put in front of you, you start to notice people who are eternal souls. But then Paul flips it from hey, pray that God would open a door for our message and pray that I would proclaim the gospel clearly. And then he says, We need to be wise in the way we act toward outsiders and we need to make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace seasoned with salt so you know how to answer everyone that word conversation is key because that is the context of gospel advancement like talking to someone and them talking in return and this is kind of a lost art with the digital age and definitely something that I think a lot of us miss being stuck in our homes and continually around the same people over and over again. But conversation is the ultimate opportunity you and I have to actually advance the name of Jesus because we're able to relate to people with what grace and season with salt. What does season with salt mean? It means, it means a preservative. It means when somebody talks to you, they walk away from talking to you knowing that you have a knowledge of a greater peace that they now want because they've been around you. I've had conversations this week I never thought I was going to be in. And I walked away from those conversations that wouldn't have happened outside of disaster, outside of difficulty. I walked away from those conversations going, oh, wow, God really does move. When you have an opportunity to speak your heart in a way that is full of grace and somebody else has an opportunity to share their life and experiences, we need more of that. We need more people, watch this, who are willing to step out of their comfort zone and have a conversation. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a big deal to invite people to church. I think you should invite people to church. I hope you sent this link to like five 10 people, and many of you have been doing that every single week. But what would it look like if in response to all that God is doing in and through you, what would it look like if you sought out intentional conversation on grounds that take you so far out of your comfort zone, it's making you nervous for me to continue to talk right now? Because the context of God using you is going to be, hey, I just want to tell you, This is who Jesus is to me. Or, hey, if you have any questions about what it looks like to walk with Jesus, just know that I'm available. When a Christian postures their life with availability for conversations that they used to ignore, they've provided a platform for the gospel to advance on a non threatening level. And so I love sermons. I love that our church gets to gather together, but we were called to be the church. When you get Christians who are spreading out all over the world, who are loading up their mouths with words that are full of grace and seasoned with salt, now you not only have a world that's broken and hurting because of all the pain that's happening around us, but you have people who are caring enough to listen and be open and care. And so I want to challenge us as a church. Can we not just be people who say, hey, this is what God's doing in me. Can you actually think about the fact that the point of all this is that God has done something in and through your life that he wants to use for somebody else. Don't be selfish with the revelation God has given to you. Just pay attention. And I'm not asking you to reorient your whole life or reinvent the wheel on this. I'm just asking you, who has God had you thinking about a lot lately? Who's God placed on your heart to go, hey, you need to have that conversation, you need to have that conversation? Because what I've noticed in my life over and over again, when God cares about someone and he wants you to reach them, God won't leave you alone about it. He'll bother you, he'll find ways for the Holy Spirit to go, hey, don't forget about that conversation, don't forget about it. And what, what would it look like if we were running toward those environments instead of being scared and falling away from them? Question number one, what is God doing in me? Number two, who is God reaching through me? And then number three, and this one's powerful, Who is Jesus becoming to me? Who is Jesus becoming to me? Every storm and every ounce of suffering we experience in this life is actually the ultimate opportunity to experience Jesus like we never have before. And anybody listening to me right now who's really gone through some stuff, you know what I'm talking about. Because there's a level that you know Jesus before you go through a valley with him. And then there's the Jesus who you come to know on the other side of that valley, and you go, I'm seeing him in a crystal clear way that I did not see him before I went through this. Who is Jesus to you on the back end of a storm that we all are going through, and we're all hoping and praying and looking to the other side? I know for me personally, 2020 has already been a year where Jesus has completely turned upside down my experience of him. Today is Sunday, May the 3rd, and it's a date that I've had circled on the calendar for a long time, not just because I knew it was graduation weekend for Auburn, and not just because Cinco de Mayo is next week. I don't even know why I said that, but it is next week, and we're excited for Cinco de Mayo. We're excited for May the 4th. Watched a lot of Star Wars lately. Hope you have too. But May 3rd's been circled on my calendar, and I'll tell you why. This was supposed to be the day that I was going to preach a sermon and then take a lot of time off of preaching. This is when I was going to announce to the church that I'm taking a sabbatical to get some rest and get time with the Lord. My wife and I had a trip planned far away from here. Obviously that got canceled. And I had this time circled on the calendar because I realized over the course of the last couple of years that a lot of my relationship with Jesus had gotten dumbed down to a job not a joy and so I've been moving toward this moment for a long time now part of the global pandemic and the shutdown has been a little bit of an opportunity for rest for me because I felt like I've been covered and hidden with Christ and I have had the opportunity to get alone with God but when I was thinking about answering this question my answer was this time and this storm and this difficulty has become the ultimate opportunity just for me personally to fall in love with Jesus again Like before I was going through this, a lot of my prayers look like list of to-dos. God, would you please reveal this? And would you please help this person? And would you please, would would you bless this? And would you, and not that those prayers are bad, but when you're going through something that you would trade away, there's an intimacy with Jesus I can't explain until you actually let him meet you there. If you read the transcripts of my prayers this week, I really wasn't asking Jesus to do much of anything. I remember at one point thinking to myself as I prayed, wow, I haven't prayed that in so long. Do you want to know what my prayer was? It was, Jesus, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. I love you. I would do anything to be near you. I don't need anything this world has to offer in this moment. If it means I can't have you, I just don't want it. I want you. And as I was praying it, I was like, man, I'm so glad times have gotten tough. I'm so glad that the pressure is on because the pressure has a way of squeezing us into a position where we have to go, Jesus, I need you to be real to me now. I don't need this relationship with you to be theoretical or religion anymore. I need you to be close to me. And you start tasting and seeing that Jesus is that good and that he'll meet you on that level of intimacy, you wouldn't trade it away for anything in the world. So I'm praying that this moment is an opportunity for our message to go out. Our message is simple. Jesus wins. He's greater than any other option for your life. He's full of grace and full of truth. But maybe today, instead of asking the question, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you believe he died? Do you believe he rose again? All those are good questions. But I think maybe a clarifying question for us today is to ask this question. If you had two doors in front of you right now and each door was a version of your life. And behind door number one was everything good that you can think of happening to you from a worldly perspective. Door number one is financial prosperity. Door number one is physical health. Door number one is relational health. Everything about your life goes exactly the way it should. Popularity, riches, everything good. And door number two is the exact opposite everything going wrong, losing your health, relationships that are difficult, constant struggle and trial, rejection from people. And somebody said to you, which door do you want your life to look like right now? And right as you were about to answer, they said, wait, stop. I just need you to know this. Jesus is in door number two. And a Christian is somebody who in that moment Stops what every human being would say, I want number one, and they go, "Uh, you can have it. Because if I don't get him, it's not worth it. Jesus said, if you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you'll find it. That's an imperfect illustration because all of our lives are going to be loaded with a mixture of blessing and difficulty. God's going to do some amazing things that we all love and agree with. And God's going to take us through some valleys that we would rather trade away. But the heartbeat is there. Do you love Jesus? Do you treasure Jesus? Christianity is not a question of whether or not you agree with everything written in the Bible. Christianity is a question of whether or not you treasure and love and serve Jesus. And so I want to use this moment in the life of our church to ask you a simple question. Making the most of every opportunity, here it is. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to know God as a relational heavenly father? You can put all your notes and Bibles away bow your heads, close your eyes right where you are right now. I want you to receive this moment. You're going to get your moment to get before God this week and ask those simple questions. But right now is a moment where I want to pray for you. And if you have never stepped into a relationship with God for yourself, this is your moment to do that. It's a very simple prayer. You simply invite Jesus into your life. But the universal truth that I want to go out from our church today is that This moment is an opportunity. Are we making the most of it? What's God speaking to you? Who is Jesus becoming to you? And who does God want to reach in and through your life? Would you just close your eyes? And right now in your mind, I want you picturing the people who God is opening a door for you to share this message. What's Jesus saying? Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that as this word goes out, that countless numbers of people and families are transformed by the intimacy that comes from knowing you personally. We love you, God. We trust you. God, I pray that no matter how dark the storm gets and no matter what happens through these next few days, these next few weeks or months, that we would learn to trust you good or bad, storm or sunny, night or day, death or life, because we treasure Jesus. Jesus, would you be more than a line in our songs? Would you be more than a name that we sing out? Would you remind us that wherever you are, the darkness shudders because you are advancing in a powerful way in our day? And God, would you put our church on the front lines of that moment? Would you put our church on the front lines of that movement, God? We love you. We say yes to whatever because we have you with us. We come to you now and ask you to do what only you can do. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.